to the next uh, presenter today. So he's a quiet, unspoken gentleman that I've known for a few years. Um, so uh, I met Ross. Where did I meet you? Like five years ago. Can, is this on? Say again? Is this on? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, first place we went was in Atlanta, if you remember. Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, 2009, yeah. So um, yeah, I bumped into Ross doing various different coffee tastings uh, around the place. And Ross has always had a fresh perspective on the industry and has definitely never been one who's shied away from telling what he thinks. Uh, so we're delighted to have him here today. He has asked me if he can curse. So um, I told him he could. So apologies for that in advance. So ladies and gentlemen, from uh, Browns of Broccoli in London, uh, Mr. Ross Brown. Thanks. There's no, there's no pictures, so if, you, if you're here for the pictures. Um, Colin asked me to do this a few weeks ago, and first of all, I emailed back and said, it won't be very interesting. And he said, that's fine. So here we are. <laughs> uh, I distinctly remember two kind of pivotal points about, that led me to opening a shop. The first was way back, 2006, 2005 maybe? I happened to be in Portland, Oregon with my girlfriend at the time on holiday. This was way before Portlandia or Portland, Oregon was on anyone's radar. We were there actually for like a comic festival, um, but clinical research before had led me to believe that I had to go Stumptown, Voodoo Donuts, a couple of other places on the list. It was about this time, it was October half term, it was really wet, really rainy, just horrible. Um, but on that day, it was really nice. We kind of sauntered in, sat at the bar, the seats that are, don't actually exist anymore. Uh, and we ordered a, a black filter coffee and we ordered an espresso. I, I think at the time I had just finished working at Cafe Nero. I was like 17, 18. Wasn't really into coffee at all. Um, the drinks arrived and it was that God shot moment. It was. A, a horrible phrase, I hate, I hate the phrase, but it just tasted completely different to anything that I've ever had before. Um, the body, the sweetness, like it was, it was completely drinkable. It wasn't like any espresso that I'd had from Cafe Nero or whatever. You know, my dad would drink it or whatever. Um, just crazy, blew my mind. But it, but I've, I've kind of written, but it didn't blow my mind. You know, I, it didn't, that, that wasn't like the spark. I didn't go home and think, that's it. I'm going to open a coffee shop. I went home. I was 18 years old. I carried on with my life. I didn't really even drink much coffee after that. Odds and sods might have ordered a, a mocha or some, something like that. Um, but maybe it just turned a little cog. It made me realize that coffee could be something different. It could be not that horrible, ghastly, bitter, sludgy shit that we would have back home. Um, but that was it. I teased with coffee for another couple of years. I went to uni. I kind of discovered the Monmouth pour over, but nothing, nothing vital, nothing crazy. Um, it wasn't until I got to uni a few years later, me and my friend would kind of mess around with those stovetop coffee makers, you know, just like a standard filter. We'd overdose it like crazy. It would kind of like spill out over the top. Um, but even then, I wasn't really, wasn't into coffee. I was more into like Americana, that kind of, that black coffee from Twin Peaks and Black Flag Lyrics and shit like that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of specialty coffee that we see here today. Um, I guess around that same kind of time, 2007, um, was the same kind of time that Annette and James were setting up Square Mile in London. Flat White was emerging on Berwick Street as a kind of a go-to place, but it, it just, it wasn't on my radar at all. The next kind of 
breakthrough I had was I was at uni and my dad just unexpectedly out of the blue just died. Um, I remember sitting that summer in my uni halls, like desperately trying to write my dissertation and I just couldn't give a shit. Tried for like two, three nights in a row and was just like, that's it, I'm over it. I don't want to be here. Don't want to do a degree. Don't want anything that like, anything that that like degree represents. So like I just walked out, like I just left on the spot. Um, I moved home and I just bummed about like doing nothing. I'm sure everyone remembers being a really like miserable, like 18, 19 year old had nothing to do and then kind of the idea of making coffee kind of like cropped back into my head I, I understood that I had to do something with my life and I was like yeah sure coffee I had a bit of inheritance money and I just started looking up where was the best place I could learn about coffee um, it turns out that the best place at the time or what I perceived to be the best place was the American Brewston Coffee School that was in Portland so I went back and took a I took a week-long course kind of an extended holiday Learned, learned all those fundamentals, mouse tails and steaming milk and all that kind of stuff. Um, there were a load of business lectures and it was great. I was completely open to a city that was in love with coffee, had an incredible coffee culture despite of the similar kind of rainfall that we have here. But even then, like I came home and I still didn't have any kind of urge, any kind of like calling to open a shop. I was just interested, you know, I was interested in coffee. Um, so I came home, I was really excited. I knew I had to get a job, otherwise my mum was gonna lose her mind. Um, and so I just kind of bummed about. I walked into a couple of big wholesalers coffee jobs. So people that don't really roast coffee, they just kind of have it roasted by a third party and sell it on. And that was, that was half, half amazing, half terrible. It was cool because it let me just learn on the job. I had no practical experience of making coffee. Um, and there were just machines lying about, great, talented, experienced people that would like happily teach me and talk to me about stuff. Um, but equally, there were really negative parts. I had to learn about vending machines, bean to cut machines, stuff that I just, as someone that was losing their mind about lots of different coffee, I, I couldn't have cared less. About a year into my, into my job, I just walked past, I'd moved back to London and I walked past a, like a delicatessen back where I lived in southeast London had a for sale sign in the window I don't know if anyone's ever been southeast London it's a kind of unremarkable part of the of the city it's very suburban green it's nice but it was right opposite a station and I just that was it I just decided that was going to be the shop no rhyme or reason no no footfall count no footfall counts nothing I was just like yep yeah, cool that's that's the shop for me kind of didn't really play on my mind that there was a coffee shop right next door. Um, I just went full steam ahead. So I contacted the owners, bought the equipment, bought all the stock. Didn't really want to run a delicatessen, but at the same time, I couldn't bring myself to just flat out open a coffee shop next door. I just didn't have that confidence. I was too, too stupid. I didn't have the planning. So we kind of messed around with sort of selling food as well for a little bit, and we slowly phased it out. Um, the next portion is pretty hard to remember because it was just the kind of trauma-like embarrassment of the time has kind of let me forget. But at the time of opening a shop, I had no business plan. I had no idea how to use the till. I had no idea how to pay people. I don't think I had a bank account at the time. I had nothing. I had like everything you shouldn't do. That was pretty much what I was doing. Um, and it's okay to talk about it now, but it was, man, it was a car crash. It was truly truly awful 
Um, and the kind of thing that when people approach me with similar ideas now, I would ridicule. But at the time, people like Annette, James, my landlord, my friends, family were all super supportive, which is crazy. It was a terrible idea. Um, the biggest problem with having no plan is that you don't have any idea where you're going. Like there's no direction. Every single day just comes to hit you with like the same velocity as the next. It's really overwhelming. It's not very fun. Um, but somehow with a kind of commitment just to producing quality coffee, we managed to kind of struggle through. Um, I find it hard to kind of forgive that kind of level of just nonsense and shit that we put up with, but apparently loads of customers did and we're kind of still there today. A lot of people managed to kind of overlook the mess, the constant changing of things we'd bring in, bring out, opening times changing, you know, everything. But, you know, we kept that one constant, which was, co was, was coffee. Um, I guess the argument was that was the only vague understanding I had of the whole business. I had no retailing experience. I had no real hospitality experience, had no accounting, bookkeeping, HR, none of, none of those other qualities that you need to run a shop. But I, you know, I knew how to make some espresso, I knew how to clean down a machine, and that seemed to be good enough. I think there's definitely an aspect of right place, right time, but it was cool. It worked. Um, over the next year, couple of years, we kind of just slowly built and built and built and built. Um, but again, with no direction, I kind of, every day I had like a new tangent, you know, we'd be opening the evenings, we got an alcohol license, we plowed loads of energy into like creating different food, um, and it was crazy. I, I ended up kind of trying to take the business on a bit of a sidearm and, and get into a lot of catering, which was terrible and, and didn't work. And I left the shop. Uh, to run with my good friend Will, who I went to uni with and, and ended up managing the shop for a while. And it was great, we had some amazing staff. You know, we were trying to focus really heavily on coffee, but it was hard, again, with no direction. But being away from the shop, I felt I gained some like, real perspective. And over time, I'd look at the shop and just think, hang on, this isn't, this isn't right, this isn't working. This isn't, we didn't, we didn't design a shop to be busy. We didn't design a shop with any plan or anything in mind so as we built up and built up and built up it just got more and more stressful you know it was a tiny I think it had 12 seats at the time there was a massive table in the middle you kind of had to squeeze in squeeze out there's certainly still an aspect of that now but it was horrible it was really stressful to be a customer in it was really stressful to work in um, and yet that didn't seem to deter people we got busier and busier and busier and busier and it got to a point where I just wasn't happy. We couldn't keep up with being opposite a station, that kind of Thursday morning commuter rush. We, we couldn't handle it. And I felt that over time, quality just declined. Um, we also just had some terrible ideas. We used to have a, like a, not this size, but we used to have like a computer screen with all the train times on. So we would just have people here like tapping their feet, ready to go, you know, the amount of times people just ran out the door because they had a train to catch was just, it was a waste of time. At some point as well, desperate to appease customers, wanting to provide anything and everything we possibly could, we just, we would say yes to everything. We would say yes to your one-shot mocha with soy. We'd say yes to your triple espresso to take away. We would say yes to everything. Um, you know, uh, uh, customers would, would, would start to have their own ticks and you know, oh I want, my, I want my cappuccino in this cup designated for a latte 
I want it extra hot, or, you know, and we couldn't keep up. And it got to the point that people would be annoyed that we couldn't remember their very specific orders. I remember walking into the shop one day and I, I don't think a single person, you know, we had about six or seven drinks stuck up. I don't think a single person was having a drink that was actually advertised on the menu. It was all some hybrid of something that really worked for them. And that's great, like you're giving people what they want, but the issue is that it's so time consuming. And the, the, the other problem is that I, I knew we were making drinks that would taste terrible, but for some reason, that's okay. I think, ooh, I talk about this occasionally with other people and they think, well, why, why does it matter? Why do you care? The customer is always right. Uh, and while I don't agree with that for one minute, it's, it goes back to the time, the cost. The, the, you know, we opened a shop to serve good coffee. Why am I letting you walk out with something I know is just awful? Anyway, um, I think that business owners and people in general fall into kind of two camps of people that are into, into the kind of hype of it all and those that aren't. Uh, you know, while we were ever getting ever busier, I'd have people telling me what a great shop it was, how great the coffee was, what a great fucking entrepreneur I was, and I just like I don't now, and I, I just I don't ever want to hear that. Like I don't I don't believe it. I don't think it's true. I want to say actually, you should go to here, there, and every. You know, like I want to tell you about different shops that I like. I don't you know I don't want to hear that weird praise. I don't that's because we're British, but. I just I felt it even harder and harder and harder to take when I just saw what I felt was the quality just declining and going off a cliff and people would still come to me and say, oh, this is, this is the, the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And I was just thinking, fuck, you're an idiot. Uh, and, you know, and equally people would come up, you know, we'd have a busy shop and people would be talking to me like somehow I was, you know, buying, buying a house in cash or something. We live in London, it's crazy. You know, I still drive my mum's car, you know, it's like, tears me up anyway at some point i decided enough was enough like i was over it. i was over just the constant to and fro the confusing aspect of everything and we just decided to start again i wanted to kind of take control of my business i wanted to take control of what we were serving what we were doing so we just decided to start all over again apart from the name um I wanted to change what we were serving. I wanted to change the, the layout of the shop. I wanted to change the way we interacted with customers, every single aspect. So over Christmas of the year before, so 2013, we stripped the whole shop back. We took it down to a wall, a ceiling, and, and full, uh, full, whatever, stripped it back, took everything out. Um, we hired professional tradesmen. I didn't build the counter for a change. We bought proper equipment. We bought proper equipment instead of whatever was just available secondhand. We actually thought about what we wanted to do. We thought about how we wanted to talk to customers, the flow of the shop, how we were gonna plate croissants, how we were exactly gonna pour cappuccinos, everything. And it was, it was boring, it was precise, it's really endless. You can kind of go as far as you wanna go with it. But it was good and it was what I felt the shop needed. Um, we also redesigned the menu. We drastically, drastically ramped up our prices. We changed to have lots of rules. No espresso to take away. Uh, no single shots. You can't, you can't adapt the way that we have espresso with milk. Uh, there was no more mocha. We, we changed tons of stuff. Um, I was kind of fed up of watching how hard we, we worked to make espresso good, the amount of money and time and energy we invested only to be 10, 20p cheaper. In any other scenario, that doesn't make an ounce of sense. In any other business, that doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, in, in coffee, not even in hospitality, in coffee, we do that. 
Um, but it wasn't without its kind of issues. I was kept awake for months. We started this planning in the summer to do it in the Christmas. And I, I, my girlfriend was also pregnant at the time and I don't remember sleeping an ounce. All I could think about was these customers that I've known for months, for years, people that come in every day, you know, who are this bizarre kind of mix between friend and customer who we were gonna t- turn around one day and say, you know what, we're not gonna do that drink anymore. And actually, you know, and that kind of, that idea that actually you're an idiot for liking that drink in the first place kind of mentality, I, it was horrible. And I, I like, I don't ever, ever wanna go back there. But I was kind of torn between, I hated the current version of the shop and I wanted to make it better, but I knew I was gonna piss off a ton of people. Um, I guess like in, in, a, in a speech like this, is a speech, I don't know what you call it, but uh, you like that, you know, come around to the end and I'd say, Oh, we changed the shop and it was great, everyone loved it. It didn't, it was fucking shit, everyone hated it. Um, uh, <laughs> just people, just people weren't ready for three pound coffee. Like, I'm not even sure if I was really ready for it. It makes sense, like, I, I you know, I in a, in a scenario like this, I could tell you about it forever, but like at the time when people are steaming in, they're angry, they're pissed off, they're confused. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to rationalize. Um, and it was tough, like from, you know, I live right by where the shop is. I have to see these people every day. We'd have, you know, people would say, oh, it's great. You know, the shop looks nice, blah, blah, blah. And then it would, you know, I'd have to read online that I was greedy. I'd have to, you know, and I was making no money or very little money. Uh, people, you know, people thought we were up ourselves. We got rid of loyalty cards, which people couldn't stand. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just it was just bad, like, and it was really tough. It was Christmas. It was January anyway. It was just, it was real, real, real hard. And it kind of, uh, you know, I felt I'd learned uh, by making all these mistakes. I'd, I'd learned so much, but actually, it was this, it was this kind of change, this new, new kind of shop that really opened my eyes to what people really felt, what people thought about coffee, and 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 it's not. You know, the, you know, we're here today. And I, you know, I guess the general point of being here is to talk about quality coffee. But what, what, unfortunately, doing all this made me realise is that people aren't that obsessed by the hyper quality that maybe some of us here are. People, people want that. People want that assurance. People just want to know that it's okay to be here. They just want some kind of warm cup that tastes pretty good but not incredible. They don't care about your extraction yields. They don't care about your Strata EP or MP or your water filtration system. Like, they just want to know that they're going to get it quickly. It's going to taste pretty good. Other people tell them that it's okay. And, it, and it, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking in, in all those senses because everything you're kind of working towards, you kind of think, actually, from a business, that makes, that makes no sense. I think, actually, weirdly, um, Collins walked off, but the... Dear Coffee, I Love You, if anyone knows that website, is doing the temper tantrum in Asia. I believe that's his whole kind of spiel for the tour. Is that right? Have you seen that? It's all about branding, and it, and it did make me very sad that actually it's, it's a huge part of what we do. Over time, we kind of built back up. It took a really long time. It was a very tough year. Me and my girlfriend had a baby at the same time. It was, it was, it was a long year. Um, People said that they would never, ever come back in and pay three pounds of coffee, have started to slowly creep back, come in. People have mostly stopped asking if we have Wi-Fi or if we still have loyalty cards. But it's still, it's still really tough. I still have to look people in the eye and say, you can't have a takeaway espresso. And sometimes I wonder why. Like, so, you know, we put these rules in place and I, and, I, and I believe in them. But sometimes now we have a child, I'm thinking, 
you know, if you're going to storm out, I'd rather just take your money. I don't care. Like, if you're going to enjoy it, it, it's a real tough, it's a real tough bargain. You know, what are we doing? Like, what's, what are we here for? I kind of wanted this whole talk to be about, like, my CV, about what I'd learned from running a shop. In that time where I dropped out of uni and my peers kind of finished and graduated and got jobs, what I learned in those three years. But kind of getting to this point has taken way, way, way too long. And I haven't really had a chance to talk about all the incredible, amazing, awful, horrible experiences I've had of like running a business. Um, about three years ago, I decided on a Saturday afternoon that I was gonna run after one of our customers. She used to come in quite a lot, Saturday afternoons. She was there with a friend. They're outside for ages, for ages and ages, having some discussion, which I later found out was, they were talking about my ability to, to add up instead of appreciating the hefty discount that I used to give them. Anyway, I ran after her, uh, told her what incredible crush I had on her, gave her my mobile number, uh, and last year we had a baby. Oh man, it really chokes you up. Uh, th that kind of second epiphany I had about not wanting to be like my dad, it's really like come home in that, you know, I, I quit this, you know, he had a super corporate job, but I didn't want to be like that. And actually I find myself doing exactly the same thing, like I'm working all the hours, um, like I'm missing stuff and, it, and it's really bizarre like we kind of do a full circle and I'm like oh hang on just because it's coffee just because it's you know this great liberal lifestyle which is which is not uh, you know it, I, it's kind of made me really wonder what, what I'm what I'm doing like why I'm here I don't have like any point in this talk like there's no like rounded ending that's gonna really annoy you Colin or James James will be, yeah James will be sad um, but yeah, like with no direction, like I have no, not like I want one, but there's no exit strategy. I don't have any, you know, what do we do? Do we just tick along? Do we open more shops? Do we, you know, do we close them? Do we sell them? Are they sellable? It like opens up like a thousand questions. Uh, I have absolutely no ending for this. A mixture of because my last sheet of my speech didn't print out. But I, I kind of remember it, but actually I, like, I kind of don't want an ending, like that monotony of the shop, like it's open every day, seven days a week. Like, I don't want that to be like the ending. Like, have no plan, nothing. End, finish, finish. Ross Brown. It's off, it's off, it's it's shit. Ross Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions now. Yeah, uh, go on, go on. I, this is what, basically this is what I was looking forward to, the Q&A. Me and Ross haven't had a chance to talk in a while, so it's actually just a construct to get him in, in the room so we can actually chat for a bit, that's okay. So, um, like towards the end of that, I'm kind of thinking like, this is, I'm really tough, but there's actually like a little bit in here that's like starts to jiggle a little bit and it's quite emotional what? for me listening to that because Hi. I know exactly what you're going through and you're yeah, just yeah. like, I did that and I'm not going to cause it. Squiggles over there. You forgot that one, didn't you? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and he knows it. And I know there's other people in the audience and it's exactly the same thing. And what you tend to hear about coffee shops is that, oh, you open a coffee shop and then it's awesome and life changes. License to print money. Fuck, yeah. man. Just all that money. I flew here. I fucking flew here. <laughs> okay. Let's start at the beginning then. Would you... Someone come, and I know this happens here. Does, if someone comes into your shop and says, oh, I want to open a coffee shop, would you recommend it as a lifestyle decision, as a, as a career? You know, it's funny, uh, I did, so I've written about five different talks that I was gonna give, and I like just slowly ripped them up and then wrote this one about last night. So which <laughs> makes you wonder how coherent the others were. Um, 
I found an email that I, I think I was looking for something to, to do with this in my emails and I found an email that I'd sent someone about six months, nine months ago and I almost printed it out to bring because I kind of figured you'd maybe ask me that question and I forgot to. Um, but it was basically someone had come into the shop, asked me some advice. They wanted to open a shop, similar kind of area. And I read, I read what I'd sent back to him and it was fucking brutal. It was really, it was on the verge of being very rude. And I, I you know, I don't know, like I'm not a particularly rude person, I wouldn't think. And I'd been, like, it was, you know, like, we maybe had a bit of back and forth, and I, he never replied. And, it, and, and, I, and I felt so awful. I read it back and thought, oh, man, it's such, it's such a dick. But then I kind of thought, actually, you know what? Like, I'm glad I sent it. Like, he was asking such, like, great, you know, he, like, uh, he wanted to find out the names of bakeries in, in London. He couldn't find any bakeries in London. And I'm like, you're in our capital city. If you can't find a bakery, like, <laughs> man, you're, like, you know. But, I mean, equally, as, as you can kind of see, like, I was in that position and more so when I when I started I, do you feel that the kind of make because I see this like I opened a shop in a, a space the size of that thing there in the front of a nightclub uh, it was a disaster um, I remember my dad saying to me that when he when I opened on the first day he kind of looked in and then walked out going well at least he'll learn a lesson I didn't have a clue what I was doing everything you're saying is the same thing but what I, the thing that I have to be conscious of is when I encounter people now that want to open coffee shops and they're as as unprepared as I was, or even more prepared than I was, but just not prepared enough. I get angry at them. And yeah, it's like, I, it's, I resent them for being as stupid as I was. I, I, it's exactly that. But I, I guess it makes me, uh, you almost feel like a dad in that sense. It, like, like, like you just said, you're just like, I don't, you're annoyed. I, I don't know, I almost, I want to stop people making the mistakes that I did. Like, I think the biggest thing I probably didn't, like get into it on that but like it cost me a lot of money like I made loads of mistakes and they're not free in business like you know like not knowing how or why I should be paying PYE for a couple of months like that's mistakes that I paid off for like another year and a half or you, you know like using the wrong accountants like I'm still in a small claims court like trying to like edge back some money like they're all like all these mistakes and I, 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 I'm not being horrible to these people because I'm a dick. I'm doing it because I'm like, hey, I don't want you to have to do... Like, if you cannot needlessly waste money, don't. Everyone has to learn. And I guess it's that problem with the industry is that there's no... You don't attend uni. There's no there's no cordon bleu for, you know, running a coffee shop. It's... The unfortunate problem is that it's just time. It's time. Like, there's nothing... Uh, you know... So what advice do you give people? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, yeah, it's tough because it's. I, I, I don't even know if I should give advice and say, I, you know, don't do it because it's not, it's not, not for me to give. The good bits are amazing. The good bits are amazing. I felt like I did one. <laughs> another talk that I deleted was all about customers, and it's just like you know, other you know, than my girlfriend. Like, there are amazing people. I have amazing friends. I've done amazing things all through customers. I've got people that like have one. Oscars that come into my shop. I got like the dude that wrote fucking Matilda the Musical comes in every day. That's awesome. Like, and and not just like the people that are famous, the people that are just normal people that you get to like ebb into their lives, you know. I know people's kids. I've watched people emigrate and come back. I've watched kids like, I've, you know, go from being born to like attending primary school, you know, been there for five years. That's amazing. Like, you know, and because I, maybe not so much for you, but like I live, you know, I live uh, 
half a mile from the shop. You know, it's a, it's a small area. I get to interact with these people on, you know, it, yeah, the, the good bits are amazing, but the bad bits, like, are crazy, are crazy low. And then in terms of pricing, like, I think the approach that most people take from, from what I can see is that they open a specialty shop. They spend more money on the machine, more money on the coffee. They generally like their staff, so they try to pay them more as well. Uh, they try to get the best ingredients, do everything the right way, try not to do anybody over, which is pretty much everything that the big guys are not doing. And then they go in at the same price or less than what the high street guys are doing. And it's like, this is never going to work. And the, the approach that they make, what I see most often is that they realize that they've made a mistake with their pricing. They say, if I'd opened up being more expensive, I, it would have been easier. And that's definitely true because people just accept it for what it is. But they try to incrementally improve, imp increase their prices. It's like 5p here, 10p there. And over time, trying to make it expensive. And it's just kind of, it's a drawn out, it's a drawn out process of like, oh, really sorry, yeah. but like, but you're goes, quite brave. Like you just I think it got, I like it brave or stupid. And I think it goes back to that, you know, like I said at the beginning, like when I looked at this site and I saw that it was next to a coffee shop and I just, I didn't have the, I didn't have the confidence to just go in and be another coffee shop because I couldn't, you know, you know, we're all English. Oh, sorry, <laughs> we've had fuck. I, do you know I did that last time we met? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 his thing. He does this uh, a lot. That was, honestly, that wasn't. Uh, we're all British. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ross. Um, you know, you know, we hate conflict. Uh, um, and it, it's the same thing with the pricing. Like, it, like I think a lot of people are just are too scared to say like this is it and this is you know even now like honestly honestly like it should be more like it should be more how like, much is coffee when i go to your shop uh the most expensive thing you can buy is like a three pound 20 latte and it's expensive this is the thing i think the thing that really irks me is people that's expensive like i couldn't afford to go to my shop every day and buy a coffee but that's not what i'm telling you to do and e equally you know, it's a real specialty product. I can't afford, in the same vein, I can't afford to play golf every Sunday. I can't afford to go for a real nice meal every Saturday night. Like, it's a speciality product. If you yeah. want to use that term or not in terms of coffee, that's fine. But, like, look how much time and effort that we're putting it in. Like, our coffee machine costs more than every single car that I've ever bought and then doubled. <laughs> like, that's un like, and then to like you say, to expect us to walk in and churn out like the same stuff that Starbucks, who you know, have questionable ethics all the way through, it it doesn't make any sense. Like, and it really bugs me, and it and it kind of bugs me that no one else, like no one else, kind of, y you know, like there there aren't that many. It was still kind of expensive, and we're in the suburbs. Like, I still yeah. go into town and look at people and think you're doing an amazing job but you're undercharging for your products like why why because we're too scared and yeah. and 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 totally it sucked like those first four months sucked and it still sucks when people so come in and go oh oh three you know like like i forced them at gunpoint into the shop and you know they have a half and you're like say look have it just have it just try it. if you think it's worth it pay it if you don't there's a coffee on the house like yeah. or hey if you're not happy to pay that much for coffee which is fine like i'm not happy to pay 250 quid for a for a set meal there's a coffee shop next door you can yeah. go and do it like and, and i'm not offended and i don't want to offend you but like we all have price brackets that everyone's comfortable with for every single thing you know yeah it also kills when someone comes in driving a 110,000 pound car and so it's so expensive <laughs> and i've had this conversation with a customer before and they came in and said that the 
the machine in the in the news agents up the road is is uh, two euro for coffee and you're three euro and I was like yeah and I was like okay so um, well like we're a bit more expensive like so why do you come here and they're like well yours is better and I'm like the answer is in the question like but you can't rationalize this with some people they want it just to be cheap and accessible all the time but that's it I think you know I think the word cheap for us it, 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 like for some reason it's positive like you know people use that word cheap like it was great it was a cheap meal it was a cheap car cheap flight like we're in especially with the internet we're in like an, an age of the bargain and it's like we have to remember that we're in an area that is you know I, yeah I, I you know i don't really like that term speciality but we're in a we're in a gourmet market we're at the, yeah. we're at the higher end of what of what we do we're not you know this isn't uh, what's that trade show? Cafe culture, you know. We're yeah. not. We're not at the like packaging convention. Yeah. We're, you know, we're especially. You know, it's really tough, and it's hard to convey as well. It's hard to convey when you don't have tons of money. You know, you can you can make a great product with a pretty average machine, you know, and you know some great coffee, but but you might not be able to afford you know a glass fronted shop front and gold seats or you know. 300 pound aprons or whatever you need to do to you know emphasize that quality you know in the same yeah. time as a restaurant you know if, if a restaurant was at the, the upper echelons of, of a price range everything else would match but you know so without giving out without giving too much away is is your turnover back to where it was yeah yeah it, it's 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 better but and that's great you know we're serving less people we can give them more time that's, that's the thing that's yeah. the whole point but yeah, but it was tough. Like I certainly do. Do you like it again? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Like I kind of, it, you, you, you have your ups and downs. Certainly, new equipment that I'm not allowed to talk about has <laughs> has made it a lot more. Like certainly, there are little bits and pieces that have made it a lot more enjoyable recently. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's it's like it's tough. You have your highs and your lows. Well, it, it is like because it's a big lifestyle choice, and it's. I know what you mean. Like, I remember being on stage like a year and a half, two years ago, and walking in and going, "I hate this. I hated it. It just yeah. turns into something else, and you just got to twist it back to something that you like doing." Because I think you also have that issue where when you start, you're just there and you're just making coffee, and that's fun. And actually, you know, you said a minute ago, like you, uh, making coffee is not, you know, you're all the other horrible bits of running a business. Your HR, your bookkeeping, your you know, disciplining people and like all the nasty bits that you never thought that you were ever going to be doing. And, you know, I went into it with such clearly like with such stupid ideas that like, you know, oh, I'm never going to have employee contracts. I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to be everyone's best mate. It's, it's just a terrible idea. And you, you end up almost becoming everything that you kind of hate or not kind of hate, but like everything you thought you were never going to be. I never thought I were going to you know, call people out for being late or, you know, never thought I'd have to give people written warnings or, you know, I'd, what, you know, all the horrible things. Yeah. Do we have any questions? Dave has a question. Give me a second. Yeah, so some, sometimes. Yeah, recently, like... Wait, yeah, I thought I just Dave asked if, you, if Ross ever goes back into the shop and does a shift just for, uh, first for the hell of it. So, yeah. Yeah, some, like I do. It, it's it's hard. Like I'm also like like I know if you find I'm not not as good as at making coffee as I used to be. Uh, I'm I recently just got some. I, I because I live so close to the shop, I've never made coffee at home, and I recently bought a bunch of stuff to make coffee at home. Terrible. Really not very good. Um, uh, 
yeah, I, I, into the finals of the current Latex Championships. I've been steaming lots of milk recently, trying to win the big cash prize money. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard. I think the other aspect, I, I, I don't know if you, you both get this, but like being the owner is people love it and people want to talk to you all the time. And it's really hard to work and be, a, and be, be like my members of staff. You're a burden on the people you're working with. Oh, completely, because people people want to chat, and and I kind of want to chat to people. People, you know, the, uh, I had to do a shift the other week, and someone walked in who'd emigrated, and you know, they moved to New Zealand. Don't know why you do that, but um, we edit that out. <laughs> and they moved. There. Come on, and they move, and they move. You know, and I, crazy. I hadn't seen him in three years. I wanted to chat, but I was like, oh, I'm kind of, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and you just end up being a burden. It's really... It's family and friends are the worst ones. My mum got a new car yesterday. Bentley. Yeah, no. Uh, and she came upside and she was like, oh, I got a new car and my dad's there. And the two of them were like... <laughs> and I'm like, there's like a hundred people in the shop right now. And I'm like, great. And they're like, the car? You want to come and look at the car? And I'm like, dock it's down here. And it's like, it's not possible. So, so My mum couldn't give a shit. My mum... Sometimes I've been in the shop and my mum will get the train. We're opposite, so... My mum will get the train to be coming to see us, and she'll just walk straight past, like not knowing I'm there. She just like has no interest, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Any more questions before we wrap up? No, we should like do a podcast. This is amazing. We should, hey, we yeah. should. Uh, we should do that. Yeah. The other talks will definitely be better. I've read them. We had a Dropbox. Sanghos. Well, Sanghos. I think it was very entertaining and it was very enlightening. Anyone's thinking of opening a shop, you should go and talk to Ross and annoy for a while. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ross Brown. <laughs> <laughs>